Blaze Radio Network. And now, Chewing the Fat with Jeff Fisher. Okay, if this story is true, I, uh, I, I don't want people to get fired from their jobs. So this flight attendant should at least be made to, I don't know, clean the airline tires with a toothbrush. <laughs> That's your job from now on. We're not going to fire you, but you have to clean the tires with a toothbrush and get it done quickly because we've got to turn this flight around. A Jewish couple were kicked off an American Airlines flight, allegedly, for refusing to store their prayer shawl on the floor. Now, they've filed a lawsuit against American Airlines. Good. Good. I hope they get a plane. The flight attendant allegedly pulled the uh, prayer shawl from that was in a plastic bag in a plastic bag from the overhead bin and asked who it belonged to. And the pair said, "Hey, it's ours." And the crew member said, threw it on their lap and said, "It's got to go under the seat." And he said, um, "No, uh, I'm an Orthodox Jew and I can't put the shawl on the floor. It's a religious item." I uh, can't go underneath the seat. Uh, you know, that's just not going to happen. And the flight attendant said it doesn't matter. And according to the story, she started screaming and pointing her finger, which, you know, I don't know about that. But he said, I couldn't believe this was happening to me in America. We use these items every single day. Went to pray. When they refused, they were eventually ushered off the plane. The wife said it was embarrassing devastating and nobody said a word nobody defended us what are we criminals that's a great point man everybody just wants to get to where they're going i know and i've joked around about you wear your mask you'll shut up you won't say anything but it's time it's time to at least maybe everybody get up and walk off the plane with these people this is agonizing the couple apparently, apparently uh, had their medications uh, stowed in checked luggage, which you should never do, by the way. Let's pause for just a moment. Uh, medications should be with your hand uh, carry-on luggage at all times. That's just a helpful hint for me. But now they are suing uh, the carrier for unspecified damages. Uh, yeah, if this is true, this is agonizing. And there's no way that American Airlines can let this stand. There just isn't. It just isn't. No way. Uh, how about no? And it kind of ticks me off that no one said anything. And maybe they didn't realize exactly what was going on. I'll give you that. If you're on a flight, you're trying not to pay attention. The flight attendant is being, you know, conversing and having an issue with uh, someone else on the flight. You don't want anything to do. I got it. You're supposed to just sit there and shut up because you want to get to New York too. The flight was going from Miami to New York. And I got to get to New York too. I just... I don't want any issues. I, I I understand it. But if you were to find out that these people were being escorted off the flight because of their prayer shawl, wouldn't they wouldn't allow it in the overhead bin and they wanted them to keep it on the floor, you should get up and walk off too. I know it's just me. I get it. But I hope that they get their own plane. I hope they get millions of dollars. And I don't want anybody to get fired. But I hope that the people involved, the flight attendants and whoever else was involved in escorting these people off of this flight have to clean the airline tires with a toothbrush until they figure out that what they did was wrong. Welcome. Welcome to Chewing the Fat. (laughs) 
Okay, so we all know that there's a supply chain crisis, right? I mean, that's what we're being told every single day. We get reports of the cream cheese shortage affecting the New York City bagel shops. And if you don't live in New York, I mean, do you really care? You feel like it's going to have a domino effect, although I will say uh, that every time I go to the store, I see cream cheese on the shelf. So it's not affecting me. That's ah, not real. We have the supply chain crisis story about chicken tenders. And we've talked about shortages from chickens to pork to beef many times on this show. So now we're all up in arms because chicken tenders seems to be on the short supply list, which, I, you know, I mean, we've had wings on the short supply list for a long time. So apparently we're just reaching out now to every piece of the chicken first you know what if soon you'll be happy with the beak and you'll just shut the hell up okay now we know that uh the inflation that they keep saying oh you know what that'll be done by the end of 2021 no problem and then it was well you know maybe it'll yeah you know maybe those those problems are going to last until, you know, sometime mid-2022. And then it was, you know, now it's looking like, you know, it's probably going to go till 2023, something like that. We'll be out of it by then, though. I mean, it's, it's transitory, is it? Because I feel like uh, our, uh, our leaders have now taken to, well, maybe it's not transitory. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe it'll tear for a while. You know, we probably should think about that. Duh. Isn't that what people all over the country have been saying for quite some time? And then we find out this is, this is actually agonizing. So they talk about the cargo ship bottleneck off the LA coast, and they're talking about it still being at an all time high. Now the report is that there's nearly a hundred ships waiting to birth. Okay. Despite the port officials saying, uh, no, that's, uh, the, it's like there's only 46 out there. <laughs> Look at that. There's only there's only 46 ships out there. We've, we've cut it in half. This new plan by this administration is working great. Well, is it really? Because apparently the inconsistency in the number of ships, yeah, the new policy that uh, came together with the shipping trade groups and this administration, yeah, they uh, now encourage, encourage boats that are coming uh over the pacific uh you know from asia you know what don't wait so close to the shore we don't want to be able to see you why don't you sit out there at least 150 miles offshore okay because that way we can't count you so you're way out there and we'll let you know when you can come in okay <laughs> So, you know, sure, there's only 46 that we can see, but there's at least 50 more sitting way out there. But we're not counting those anymore because we can't see them. If they're out there 150 miles or so, we can't see you. Oh, okay. So that makes the supply chain crisis better because we're not all backed up at the ports, right?
Right. And then we find out that we're having pharmaceuticals that are now going to be threatened by the supply chain backlogs. I mean, why weren't we? It just seems frustrating that we don't think ahead. We talked about this. Well, we've talked about it for years and years that we've given up our uh, industry on pharmaceuticals to overseas markets, specifically China. But uh, now it's coming to fruition because of the shipping backlogs. And so it's just very frustrating that we're getting all of this happening. And But hey, it's Christmas time and it's going to be great. And the shelves are going to be full. If you see an empty shelf, it's not real. <laughs> Don't you even, that's, you're just dumb. You're not seeing what you're seeing. Okay, look down the next aisle, full, right? Yeah, but the next aisle is just cans of pinto beans. Still full though, isn't it? Merry Christmas. We do have some good news though. The Christian missionaries who were taken hostage way back in, I don't know, mid-October, the 17 U.S. and Canadian missionaries that were kidnapped as part of the Christian aid ministries, uh, three more have been released. So five of the 17 have now been released. And I know that, uh, you know, the leader of the Mawaza, no, it's not Mawaza. What the heck is that? Mawazo gang, the 400 Mawazo gang. Uh, you know, he talked about, uh, the William Joseph, the leader talked about putting a bullet in the heads of the hostages if the ransom wasn't paid. And so we still have apparently, um, you know, people that don't have a bullet in their head. Three more were released. And so, you know, good. Whoever is left in the hostage world uh, needs to be released. Seriously. Uh, I don't know what's going on. I don't know why it's taken so long. Now the Christian uh, aid ministries are uh, saying that, uh, you know, I mean, it's been almost 50 days that they've been hostage. Uh, let's go ahead and release those bad boys. I don't know what's going on. Send in someone that can take care of business. I know that prayers work. And that's what the ministries want everyone to do. And yes, we absolutely should pray for these people and their safety. But at the same time, we should be sending in some people that could rescue them. They claim that they are continuing to work at the highest levels with the Haitian government, continuing to work as an interagency and together with our Canadian partners to do everything we can to see that the remaining hostages are released as soon as possible. Okay, that's great. How about the U.S. State Department? Why have we not done? I mean, we know the answer to the question of why we haven't done anything, but you know, we need to step in and send in the clowns. <laughs> yeah, we're going to send clowns. We need to send in the clowns and rescue these hostages and be done with it. It's just agonizing that it's been this long that we've kowtowed to the Mawazo gang. I'm sorry, the 400 Mawazo gang. And Mr. What's his name again? The stupid leader of the 400 Mawazo gang. And it may even be the Mawazo gang, the 400 Mawazo gang. But anyway, their leader, Wilson Joseph, perhaps uh, we need to do uh, to him what he threatened to do to the hostages. That's just me, though. All right, let's go to the break room. I need something cold to drink desperately. <laughs> oh. 
<sighs> oh my gosh. So good. So a few days ago, I tweeted at from uh, at Jeffy JFR about Chris Cuomo when he was fired by CNN. I asked the question, so does he still have the Sirius XM show or is it a podcast sponsored by his wife's bath bombs now? Welcome to find out. I don't even know if there's going to be a podcast sponsored by the wife's bath bombs, although it's still possible. But no, he does not going to... He does not. No, he does not. No, he does not have his Sirius XM show. Uh, Apparently, he decided to step down. Right. So his Sirius XM show, Let's Get After It, which I apologize for not listening to, but I bet it was great. Just as great as his TV show. He said that he has to take a step back now and focus on what comes next. It's been an extraordinarily difficult time. So that just means I will no longer be doing my Sirius XM radio show. Oh, no. So who's going to get after it in your time slot, Chris? I would love to do a Sirius XM show, but I have a feeling that whatever channel you're on, as they were broadcasting you and your Let's Get After It show, they may not like my my idea of what a show should be we did have good news though about shows uh you know i love yellowstone and mayor of kingstown has been really good watch uh in fact this last episode i think episode five or six into the season was probably one of the best it was really good um but there is a new and taylor sheridan has created this and he's got the new a prequel to Yellowstone coming out, 1883. There's also supposed to be another spinoff to Yellowstone. And he is, and apparently I I read some, you know, inside Hollywood reports where uh, Mayor of Kingstown is in the same timeline as Yellowstone. And there may be some crossover there. Not sure how you get to that. Uh, they're in Michigan, and obviously Yellowstone is, uh, you know, in Montana, but we do have the Yellowstone guy in Texas now. So, and we have his uh, rodeo guys traveling the country. So maybe you get there through that uh, because Kingstown is the prison. And, you know, which is, it's interesting to think about. But that we also, I see in the uh, what's being called now. <laughs> <laughs> what's being called now as the Shareiverse. That's tale for Taylor Sheridan. The Shareiverse, and no kidding, man. This guy's on fire. Uh, it's reported that he is uh, developing a new mobster show with Sylvester Stallone as this mobster kingpin, kingpin and calling it Kansas City. It sounds like it's kind of like the... Uh, What's his face show? You know, the guitar player rock star from The Boss, Springsteen, Stephen Van Zandt. He was in the show on Netflix called Lilyhammer. And that was the premise of Lilyhammer, right? He was a mobster from New York. He gets sent to Europe, I think Norway, and uh, he takes over, right? He becomes another 
you know, kingpin of, uh, you know, crime because that's just what he does. That's how he works and he knows how to do it. And that's what they're saying that Kansas City would be. It also could tie into the Fargo season where Chris Rock was from Kansas City. And I would talk about the mobsters and the uh, life and times of these uh, gangsters in Kansas City. So anyway, uh, it's fascinating to think about uh, Stallone as this mobster uh, guy that uh, gets uh, you know banished or however he ends up in Kansas City. Uh, I would say that Sylvester, although he is, uh, you know, I'm okay with it. Uh, seems like he may be getting a little old uh, to do these parts, but that's just me. And he's still Sylvester Stallone. He's a big draw. And if he, you know, wants to continue to work and Sheridan is willing to do it for him, that's great. I mean, I'm not sure who would do it that I could see doing it. Uh, maybe, you know, a Russell Crowe type kind of guy that would, uh, you know, he's not too old but he's old enough to have been seen enough and run enough and been banished where he would go to another city and then just take it over um but you know whatever i you know still i'm still gonna watch it (laughs) so okay then just leave me alone and i see where hbo has got the new game of thrones prequel house of the dragon uh that has been announced that they're going to do that's great i you know i want to see that happen and let's go ahead and get on it. I'm not sure when they're talking about having that premiere. Probably sometime next year. It'll probably be late next year with the way they film. But there was also a big report that they had another prequel that they were filming and had filmed and uh, uh, filmed at least a, a, a show with Naomi Watts that they spent like $30 million on. They spent $30 million on this prequel, and then they were like, no. So they must have seen it. I want to see it bad. I want to see what was filmed for that prequel to make HBO go, you know what? I know we spent $30 million on this thing, but wow, we're done. Uh, no, this does not see the light of day. Must have been bad. So, I mean, I've seen the trailer for House of Dragon, I'm sorry, House of the Dragon, and it looks like it could be pretty good. I know, I know. The first one was supposed to be, uh, I think, way before Game of Thrones, like thousands of years before Game of Thrones, but because what that puts you into, you know, caveman days. <laughs> No, it doesn't, Jeff. It was way before then. Okay. All right. Whatever. You got it. I mean, we want the prequel to Game of Thrones, but we don't want, you know, the men crawling from amoebas onto shore. (laughs) Maybe that's what it was. Maybe Naomi Watts crawled from the sea as amoeba and turned into the queen. And it was, okay, now we're done. Now we're done. I know we spent a lot of money on this, but, uh, whew. Have a nice day. Get out. (laughs) I can't stop laughing. So yesterday we talked about... Kamala Harris and how she, you know, sucks the souls out of people. 
and what a horrible person she is. And she's a bully and staffers are leaving her office and they're speaking out saying, you know, they're, they're soul destroying, soul crushing criticism for her own lack of confidence and how she was never prepared. And she's just, you know, an awful person, just like she appears. Well, yesterday, <laughs> this guy, David Gins or Gins, David G-I-N-S, uh, works for Kamala's, Kamala's, and uh, it's Kamala and Solus combined, Kamala's. And uh, he's, the tweet is, my name is David Jins. I work for Vice President Harris on behalf of the American people as Deputy Director for Operations and absolutely love my job. Just thought some of you should know. And there's, uh, you know, a, an emoji, a smiley face emoji. Now there's a picture of him looking straight ahead at his computer screen or whatever in his office and he's behind the desk he's not looking at the at the camera at all uh there's a closed door which i'm assuming is the vp's office but it might be the entrance and exit door to the actual office and then there's a picture of kamala and somebody else oh it's a picture of her and hubby i guess talking on a computer that's a zoom call and because there's a, a light, a spotlight that you would use for Zoom calls or, you know, making a video or a YouTube, any, whatever, there's, you know, the, the spotlight there. So a ring light. So anyway, he's looking straight ahead. But what is so hilarious is the comments to this tweet. Now, um, you know, really perfect timing, right? I mean, it's almost as if one would think Kamala said, you tweet something nice that you're happy about working here and you do it today. <laughs> okay, VP, I got you. I love my job. Just thought some of you should know. So I see the comments to the tweet. Really funny. Uh, I know Shapiro joked a blink if you need help. That's <laughs> uh, awesome. One, uh, one, one of the writers for the Babylon Bee I don't know what's going on here, but we will rescue you. Just don't make any sudden moves until then. She can sense movement. <laughs> that is hilarious. And of course, Matt Walsh commented about the picture. What the hell is up with a photo with Kamala on the wall? Very weird placing of a picture frame, even weirder for a subordinate to have a picture of his boss hanging in his office. Although I will say that if that's the exit door that, uh, you know, your, your people are leaving when you're leaving Kamala's office, eh, I guess it's okay. It's her and her husband, whatever. She's trying to be personable, which she is not. Although it is a weird placement for the picture. I will say that, um, seems a little low. I know paintings are supposed to be, or photos are supposed to be, you know, eye level-ish. Uh, most of the part was, uh, it's a kind of an uglyish frame, which I guess matches some of the decor, but it seems like it should be a little higher than what it is, but you know, whatever, <laughs> it's just really, really funny. And, uh, I love that, uh, <laughs> absolutely love my job stares into death. <laughs> Uh, don't make any sudden moves. She can sense movement. Really, really funny. And that's 
what you get. Now, if he was sincere, okay. Uh, you know, good. Good for him. I'm, I'm happy that he loves his job no matter what he's doing. I'm happy for him. If he was coerced, then, man, send for help. Okay, a few things on the uh, sports list today. Uh, Cowboys legend Emmett Smith has sold, I guess, one of his mansions. And it, it's surprising to me that they're calling it a mansion. So it's 11,000 square feet in um, Addison, which is you know part of the DFW Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. And it was put on the market a couple months ago, I guess like three months, and it sold for $2.2 million. Um, That's really not a mansion. And if you're coming from California or anywhere, I mean, 11,000 square foot home on an acre of land, about an acre of land for $2 million, uh, that's a pretty fair price for that. And calling it a mansion, uh, maybe that's a neighborhood that, uh, you know, isn't that expensive, but usually anything, you know, you start getting into between 11 and 17 or 18,000 square feet, you're looking at a lot more than 2.2 million. I'm not sure. I mean, it was built in 95. It's got five bedrooms, five baths. There's a pool with a cabana and a spa, a four car garage. It comes with this custom NFL carpeting for the game room. It's got a media room that has seating for almost a dozen folks. So, I mean, it's a good, good, it's a nice place. There's no question. A a long time, I guess, Dallas area builder bought it. Yeah, no kidding. For $2 million, that's a good price. I just found it funny that they were calling it this giant Emmett Smith mansion a beautiful home. Yes. I'm no question. No, no question. It's a beautiful home, but for this area, DFW, 11,000 square feet for 2 million. That's a, that's a deal. <laughs> that's a deal. Uh, I mean, if I had your money, it'd be a deal for me. Yeah. It was still a little bit too pricey. And did you see where the big story is that the disputed conduct Kentucky Derby winner Medina spirit has died? after a workout really sad right i mean the horse died now that's the story all right he died after uh, he died after a workout it's sad medina spirit and the horse is dead um yeah but what else is going on well uh you know what it appears that what baffert was saying when his horse got disqualified was absolutely true it was a topical ointment There was no injection at all. It was solely the result of the horse being treated for a skin condition by way of a topical ointment, all at the direction of this Medina Spirits veterinarian. Huh. So, uh, I wonder if they're going to give it back to him. It doesn't look like it. The executive director of Racing Medication and Testing Consortium, which, I mean, who doesn't love the racing medication and testing consortium uh, said that the race day presence of a class C drug such as bethamethasone means a non-negotiable disqualification. How it got into the horse does not negate that it was in the horse. So Baffert is still serving his two-year suspension running through the end of uh, 2023 spring meet. And that includes the 
you know, Kentucky Derbies, of course. I just find it, uh, you know, interesting that uh, what Baffert was saying was that it was a cream. I know that it, they went back and forth and they didn't know. And I'm pretty sure that it wasn't supposed to be given to the horse on the day of the race, which was also an issue. But for sure, they made a big deal out of it in the system. And there's no way that it could be in the system without it being injected in. Uh, no, wrong, incorrect. Another strange point to the story is at least 74 horses have died in Baffert's care in his home state of California since 2000. More than, more than all but two of hundreds of trainers in this state. Wait a minute, I got to read that one more. So 74 horses have died in Baffert's care in his home state of California since 2000. So in 20 years, 21 years, more than all but to more than all but two of hundreds of trainers in the state, according to post analysis and data and public records. Wait, more than since 2000, more than all but two of hundreds of trainers in the state. But when factoring in the number of races run, Baffert's horses had died at the highest rate of the 10 trainers who had the most horse deaths. Ooh, that's a little bit of a problem. Hey, you're a good-looking horse. Want to go run for Bob Baffert? No, thanks. <laughs> I'm good. Take care. I'll run for this guy over here. No, no, no. I know he puts ointment on me, and I feel a lot better after the ointment. I mean, really, who doesn't feel better after ointment is rubbed on? But, you know, I'll think twice about racing for Bob. You know, I watched a little bit of uh, Monday Night Football on ESPN two last night with Peyton and Eli. And we've talked about how, you know, my complaints about that show, uh, you know, I like it and I love their knowledge, but at some point you want to watch the game. Although last night's game was a, you know, a tedious process. Uh, the Patriots did nothing but run the ball. It was old school football and it paid off. They won the game, but uh, Peyton and Eli, and, and I was listening to him and they were talking. And then I heard him say something about, Ooh, we can't say that anymore on uh, on this show and i got to thinking oh that's because the marshawn lynch f-bomb on monday night football resulted in a whole two fcc complaints well i'm sure people might get mad by hearing the f-word on monday night football on espn 2 the two people that complained but uh that's the way people talk while they're watching the game especially you know <laughs> former NFL players. Uh, I mean, when you're watching a game at home, you use that language. Sorry to disappoint you to complainers. And by the way, uh, just as a side note, uh, ESPN two, uh, not does not need to follow the FCC rules. Okay. It's a cable network show. It doesn't matter, but obviously they want to some, you know, want to try to, you know, appeal to the family. So they've been, you know, he got his hand slapped for, uh, you know, using the F word or letting guests use the F word. So he made a deal on, uh, he made interesting that he, he called it out last night. At least he did in the fourth quarter. I don't know if he's called it out other times. I don't watch it that often. I just wanted to catch a little bit of it last night to see if I changed my mind on how I liked what they do. And I do like what they do. I just, when the game is a pretty big game, I do want to watch the game. I don't necessarily want to have the commentary about every 
little thing. It's just a, I don't know. It's weird. It's, it's a weird dichotomy. I know. And I just, uh, I mean, a lot of times I watch a game and I turn down the announcers too. I, I don't want to hear their commentary either. I'll watch the game. So it's just kind of a weird thing. But anyway, those of you that complain about the F bomb on Monday night football, that's ESPN two, get over it. You know, the same with this network. Now this network obviously can use, uh, you know, any kind of language it wants. It's on the internet, the blaze podcast and television network. However, overall, most shows try to be, you know, nice and not use swear words, but from time to time it does happen. And while you may not really like it, it's okay. It can still be okay for you to, to hear it once in a while. Cause most people do hear it in their everyday life. <laughs> uh, right. Yes. And also uh, breaking news, Jake Paul, uh, was supposed to be fighting, uh, in Tampa, Florida on December 18th against Tommy Fury. And it was, you know, the YouTuber turned prize fighter. And now he was supposed to fight Tommy Fury. And I think Paul is four and oh now or something. He was looking to go five and oh, but, uh, Tommy Fury got sick, got a little chest infection. And uh, I guess he got a chest infection and a broken rib. So he had to cancel the fight. Well, that's a big deal. That's a big payday to cancel, man. Uh, you know, if you're going to get in the ring with Jake Paul uh, for a YouTube match on December 18th in Tampa, you're going to make some cash. But Tyrone Woodley to the rescue. He fought Jake Paul last time and lost in a split decision. Really, it's questionable whether Jake Paul actually won that fight or not. But I will say that Woodley, you know, Got his little tattoo on his middle finger in September. I love Jake Paul, which was part of their bet. And now they're going to fight again in Tampa. So we get the rematch. We get the rematch of Jake Paul and um, and Woodley in Tampa on the 18th of December. So something to look forward to anyway. Well, good news in Switzerland. Yes, a pod developed for assisted suicide has cleared legal review in the country. Yay! The Sarko machine has been developed by international nonprofit organization Exit International. And I love Exit International. They, of course, advocate for voluntary euthanasia and assisted suicide the 3d printed coffin like pod developed to carry out assisted suicide is going to be legally operating in switzerland very soon yay so many countries and i say many some uh switzerland netherlands germany belgium spain canada um, require you to have an incurable or terminal illness and of course it's Assisted suicide is legal under those circumstances in those countries. Now, according to this, the Sarko machine uh, has cleared the review and it could start operating next year. And it's really just a beautiful thing. Uh, the person will get into the capsule and lie down. It's very comfortable. They'll be asked a number of questions. And when they've answered, they may press the button inside the capsule, activating the mechanism in their own time. I want to stop here for just a second. If you're getting into the capsule and the capsule obviously is closed, do you have to be vaccinated? Because we had the story 
in one of those countries where the, you can't do the assisted suicide without being vaccinated because you're, it's, it's a close contact thing, right? So the people that are there to help you uh, kill yourself, I'm sorry, assist you in suicide, uh, I'm sorry, assist you in your voluntary euthanasia plan uh, are have to be really close so they want you to be vaccinated. Now, sure, you're going to kill yourself, but be vaccinated. But if you're in this pod, the 3D printed coffin-like pod, I mean, if it's closed up and you're asking questions, uh, you know, you you could be safe. I don't think you have to be vaccinated. But in today's world, you probably do. So anyway, anyway, uh, you get comfortable and you lie down. They ask you some questions. And then the pod will then start to process them. When they push the button, uh, the process of flooding the inside with nitrogen, which reduces the oxygen level from 21% to 1%. The person may feel disoriented and slightly euphoric before losing consciousness. The whole thing takes about 30 seconds. And uh, it's, look, it's beautiful. It's There's no panic. There's no choking feeling. It's just a, it's a slow, it's a process and it's, it's wonderful. The pod can be towed anywhere after the death, uh, including an idyllic outdoor setting or in the premises of an assisted suicide organization, for example. Exit International is hoping to eventually use artificial intelligence in a screening system to establish a user's mental capacity. And that's great. A robot will be able to tell you whether, yeah, you know what, you uh, you should kill yourself. <laughs> that's, that's what I want. I want the robot to tell me. I'm not feeling that good today. What do you think? You know what? You should lie down in this pod. But, Mr. Robot, I don't. I just want to talk a little bit. Yeah, we'll talk to you a little bit. I'm going to ask you a few questions after you lay down in this pod, okay? <laughs> I, just, I don't want AI to assist me. I yeah, really I don't know that I want this whole thing to happen, but I don't want to. I don't want a robot helping me. That's for damn sure. But you know what? Maybe I do. Maybe I do. Maybe I just want to lay down in the pod. And... <sighs> now I don't want to. Although well, I will say this now, I don't want Alzheimer's. I don't want Alzheimer's. So if I start getting Alzheimer's, maybe the pod is the answer. Oh, stop it! Don't look at me like that. I know. It's still your loved ones and you don't want anything to happen. I get it. I see where Viagra now, uh, they're saying, is helping Alzheimer's. I know. Cuts the risk of Alzheimer's up to 69%. Nice. Keeps you up and keeps you sane at the same time. So I guess taking Viagra slashes Alzheimer's by two-thirds. The risk by two-thirds. That's awesome. Now, they also claim, oh, we're not sure. We, we, we know that it cuts levels of toxic proteins that trigger dementia. And I mean, 7.2 million U.S. adults and regular users had a 69% lower chance of being diagnosed with Alzheimer's over the next six years. But they don't know what else could happen, right? The, the side effects. But I mean, it's kind of good news, right? We, we don't know the whole thing. We just know that it could improve cognition and memory. And so just keep popping Viagra, baby. <laughs> okay, sure. Look, you're not going to have Alzheimer's, but you're going to die of a heart attack or 
something else, but it's, that's brought on by the Viagra. But you're not going to have Alzheimer's, so get over it, okay? Get over it. I know they're talking about, They remember we talked about the, uh, the vaccine? that uh, they're saying they're studying right now where they have a vaccine that is tackling the memory wiping disease. I mean, okay, we're working on a vaccine that's like supposed to be 15 bucks a post, uh, a dose. So that's supposed to be dementia treatment. Is does it going to work a long term? I don't know. I guess it'd be nice. I mean, we know the FDA just approved that Biogen drug that uh, the first new Alzheimer's disease treatment in years. Now, some of the results were a little questionable and there was, uh, you know, there was a fight over whether this should be authorized or not through the FDA. And they did. They granted approval for the drug to be developed by Biogen for patients with Alzheimer's disease. And the drugs, uh, they can treat underlying disease rather than manage symptoms. Uh, and so, okay, I mean, if they're, they're, we're getting close. We're getting close. And whether that means taking Viagra, whether that means, uh, you know, getting a, a shot that they've been given mice and it's working on, whether that means taking the biogen drug that they're working on, something. They are working on it. And we're getting closer to being able to at least detour the horrible disease of Alzheimer's if not cure it altogether, that would be great. I mean, seriously, I see, <laughs> I mean, they haven't cured the disease. Brucellosis. I'm sorry. What? They haven't cured what disease? Brucellosis. Oh, okay. Yeah. Thank you. What is that you ask? Well, it's an infectious disease caused by bacteria. Now people can get the disease when they are in contact with infected animals or animal products contaminated with the bacteria. Animals that are most commonly infected include sheep, cattle, goats, pigs, and dogs. However, we know that bison have brucellosis. And what are we going to do about it? Well, we're going to go ahead and kill them. Yellowstone National Park's uh, bison are going to be permitted to be hunted, as many as 900 uh, they're going to be quarantined or slaughtered in the coming months. So if you want to get in the mood for killing something, go out to Yellowstone and start killing bison. No, you can't do that. Sorry. Uh, there's uh, that, they, That's only going to be done in the perimeter, uh, and it's going to be done by the Native American tribes and the state of Montana, and it's going to be done beyond the perimeter of Yellowstone. So you can't be killing things in, in Yellowstone. Apparently in the wintertime, they move out of Yellowstone and they travel into Montana where they risk spreading this brucellosis to cattle. And so while it's rare in humans, uh, we don't want that in our cattle. And it, I guess it causes the other cows to abort their calves because of the bacterial infection. So uh, we're going to just go ahead and kill them. Now, look, there's like 5,000 bison in Yellowstone. So what's a few hundred? <laughs> what's a few hundred? Plus, we're letting the local tribes in on it. And so all's going to be good. Don't worry about it. And I guess you don't eat it after you kill them because, I mean, can you catch it after you cook on it? I don't know. I don't know. I'm asking. So, you know, I mean, could it, are we just wasting it? I mean, at least we could do is, you know, skin them and use the, the hides, right? If we don't eat them, we can't, we gotta, we have to do something with them. We can't just kill them and leave them out there, right? We're not, we're not animals. 
wait, that doesn't, that doesn't really work. And I, I saw where a, a teenager, like I, I love alligators, crocodiles. I'm not a big fan of, um, you know, they're, I know they're the same family, kind of, you know, it's cousin or whatever you want to call them, but their crocs are, eh, crocs are nasty. So a teenager went whitewater rafting in Africa who doesn't want to do that, really? Uh, so uh, she was uh, so this 18-year-old from England went whitewater rafting on the Zambeza River in Zambia. I mean, that's life is tough when you're an 18-year-old and you're going whitewater rafting on the Zambeza River in Zambia. And but that's when uh, you know this crocodile bit her leg. She said she was mauled, her hip was dislocated, her right foot suffered damage, and she said you don't really think in that situation. Yeah, no kidding. People say that you see your life flash before your eyes, but you don't. You just think, how do I get out of this situation? (laughs) No kidding. Your brain just goes into overdrive. It was just very, very lucky. Yeah, no kidding. Now, the father... Uh, said his daughter and friends were able to fend off the crocodile after it tried to drag her down into the death roll. And uh, they got her out of there. And then they flew her to London. Wow. I mean, she's lucky that she was being she was able to be evacuated to a trauma unit in London. If she stayed in Zambia, she's a one-legged teenager right now. So she said, I can see how your life can be over so quickly. Duh. It sounds cliche. But if you're going to live thinking you're going to regret everything, let's see, no way. But if you're going to live thinking you're going to regret everything, you're never going to have a fulfilled life. Isn't that special? I know. And so the next time that you want to go whitewater rafting in Zambia along the Zambeza River, just think to yourself, hey, uh, you don't want, if you're going to think to yourself, you're going to regret everything. You're never going to have a fulfilled life. And that's just it. Now, of course, the Bundu Rafting Company, the organization behind the rafting trip, said, whoa, 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 hey, this is the first kind of this thing to occur for us here at Bundu Rafting. So we're waiting for her to have a speedy recovery. That's the only thing we're worried about. And we wanna, we're want we worried about that until she's discharged from the hospital. Uh-huh. And it's not our fault. <laughs> you signed the, the waiver and we did everything we could to save her. But you, that is not anything to do with us. Okay. We have more, we have more groups coming in to go whitewater rafting and we can't have this little, this little inconvenience slow us down. So we got nothing to do with it here at Bondu Rafting. Oh, okay. Well, then. Good for you. Felt like Alec Baldwin there for a second. Good for you. Stream and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts.